I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast for the health of it. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. Today we're going to be talking about this, this report that came out that really unnerved me. And it's these guidelines on meat. And it was recently put out by the FDA. And this really concerned me because I, I've got to, you know me, I've got an opinion on it. But I've got to tell you about this because I don't want you being deceived by what this report says. The new guidelines say continue uh, red meat consumption habits. Uh, but the recommendations that, they're, that they got their information from contradict the evidence. So they're saying it's okay to eat meat, it's no big deal. But then, they, then I look at the references, and the references are saying the exact opposite of that. So I can't figure out where this report uh, came from. Now, this recommendation is, is very uh, contradictory to a large body of evidence indicating higher consumption of red meat, especially processed red meat, that shows a direct association with increased risk of type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, certain types of cancer, and even premature death. There was a study done a while ago. I think it was by uh, National Geographic. And what they did is they wanted to find out who has the longest life expectancy around the world, what groups of people. So they went around, they searched the world, and they found that there were three groups. That Okinawa, Japan, I think it was the mountains of Russia, there was a group there, and Loma Linda, California. These people had the longest life expectancies. And so they said, okay, what's the secret? What do these three groups have in common? Well, it wasn't terrain, mountains, ocean. Uh, it wasn't religion. The one thing they had in common was they ate basically, a, mostly, a plant-based diet. So the longer life expectancy they have, because Loma Linda, California has Seventh-day Adventists there, and so they, they eat more of a plant-based diet if they follow the, the true guidelines of, uh, of the Seventh-day Adventist followings. And so the one thing that was across the board was a plant-based diet. So it's not a secret. And then study after study after study have come out that the less animal products you eat, in general, the lower your risk of most diseases. And now this report comes out saying, ah, it's okay to eat red meat. Totally flies in the face of all the research that's out there. So according to the, uh, the, the, the authors of this report, their guidelines are based on a series of rigorous, I put that in quotes, systematic reviews that would presumably account for all the available evidence. I'm not buying it. Here are some of the key takeaways. The new guidelines are not justified as they contradict the evidence generated from their own research. Now, what they did, they did something called a meta-analysis. So if you ever see this META, meta-analysis, is what they do is they get together all these studies in a field, whatever that field is, and then they say, okay, according to all these studies put together, this is the answer to the, the question that we're looking for. So they did a meta-analysis. And among the five published systemic reviews that they did, three of the meta-analyses basically confirmed previous findings on red meat and the negative health effects. So three of the five were very clear that that's not true. The publication of these studies and the meat guidelines in the major medical journal is unfortunate because following the new guidelines may potentially harm your health, the public's health, even the planet's health. It may also harm the credibility of nutrition science and erode the public trust in scientific research. Because, wait a minute, and how many times you do this? I read this one study and it said this. Then I read this other study and said this. Well, I research all day, every day. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not reading research and putting together the information. 
And if there was a better way to live, if there was a better way to live than what I teach you, I would be doing it. I'm not saying I'm going to do this just because I'm pig-headed. No, if there was a way to increase my life expectancy, give me more energy, uh, make me feel better, make me sleep better, uh, improve my relationship with all my family and friends and coworkers and you, my patients and my listeners, I would be doing that. doesn't matter what it would be, I would be doing it. This is the one that I know works the best, and the research backs it. It's evidence-based information. And that's why I get scared when one study comes out that says, oh, it flies in the face of everything else, so obviously that's the one we all jump on. And many times we do that because it's what we want to hear. Who doesn't want to follow what they want to hear? Well, sugar's good for you. Well, Dr. Joe, I saw this one study, and sugar was good for me, so I'm going to do that. And if you listen to my shows before, you might be new because we have listeners all the time joining us. I have a, a, a guideline on what you need to eat to stay healthy. You want to avoid what I call the seven deadly sins. Now, the seven deadly sins are alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, and artificial sweetener. Now, a lot of you are thinking, but Dr. Joe, uh, that's my whole life. I can't live without alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, and artificial sweetener. Yeah, you can. I've been doing it for 30, well, well over 30 years. You can do it too. And when you do it, this is what happens. People come to me every day. I get emails from all over the world. I get phone calls. I get patients coming in, running people in the street. They say, Dr. Joe, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I listen to you years ago? I fought you. I said, well, I can't do that. How many kids say, I can't do that. I can't give up my dairy products. One of the reasons you can't give up dairy products is because milk, or dairy products, cow's milk, have something in it called casomorphines. Casomorphines, casein, is the protein found in, in milk. And morphine is, a, is, is morphine. So we give people morphine many times at the end of their lives just to make them comfortable, makes them feel good. So morphine just makes your brain kind of function in la-la land, and you feel good. So many people say, I can't give up milk because I, I love the taste. It's not the taste you're hooked on. It's the casomorphines. But then I'll hear this. Dr. Joe, I can give up milk, but I can't give up cheese. I love my cheese. Oh, yeah, I can't give up my cheese. The reason is milk has casomorphines in it. When we take the water out, when we take the water out of the milk, what's left is the concentration, and that's what we make the cheese with. So it's concentrated casomorphines. So there's your challenge right there. So you're actually getting high when you're eating dairy products. So when you say, I can't give up my dairy products, uh, yeah, you can. It just takes a couple of days. And usually it takes about three or four days. And once you're off it for three or four days, then you can say, oh, okay, now I can do this forever. And what will happen is, most people, whatever it is, alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, artificial sweetener, they'll go back to it. I'm going to cheat. It's my anniversary. I'm on a cruise. Uh, it's my birthday. I went to a dinner. I couldn't say no. My boss has uh, made, made, brought something in. And almost instantly, you start craving those foods again, the alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, and artificial sweetener. So if you ever dealt with anyone who's an alcoholic, or perhaps you're an alcoholic, there's nothing wrong with that. It's how your brain works. How often can you have a drink if you're an alcoholic? Never. Once you have one drink, you're off the wagon. And that's what happens with a lot of foods, even sugar. You have a little bit of sugar, what do you want? More sugar. So the research is very clear, but then one study comes out and says, well, we just, it's okay to eat sugar. No, it's not true. Just because one study said it, you got to look at all the research out there and then do it for yourself. The easiest thing you can do is get healthy. Now I'm a chiropractor. My job is get you well and keep you well. That's what my team of doctors do. We get you well and keep you well all day, every day. And if it's chiropractic, if it's nutrition, if it's supplements, if it's surgery, we're going to recommend what we feel you need to get well. And trust me when I say this, you don't need to eat more meat. So in addition to what they were saying, it may lead to further misuse 
of uh, systematic reviews and meta-analysis because they're kind of taking it and twisting the information, which could ultimately result in further confusion among the general public and health professionals. What we're talking about, if you're just tuning in, is this new study out uh, that said you can eat meat, it's okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm dif uh, disputing that on multiple levels. So this is a prime example of studies like this where one must look beyond the headlines and what's called uh, the abstract conclusions. That abstract is, is when you do a research study, you write a paragraph about it and put it right in the beginning. What this study is going to tell you is this, and then they have the study after that. So if you're reading an abstract and it, it, it kind of jumps out at you, it's a little fantastic, you might have to dig a little deeper. So it's important for journalists, health professionals like myself, and researchers to look beyond the sensational headlines and even the abstracts of these papers to verify the evidence behind the claims. It's also critical to understand that nutrition research is a long and evolving process. If you've ever studied nutrition, we all have at one level or another. Okay, we were on the high fat diet. Then we're on, no, no, low fat diet first. So we took out the fat out of food, we put in a bunch of carbohydrates. And we took out the carbohydrates, put in a bunch of fats. Then we went to the high protein diets. And we realized those high protein diets are blowing out people's kidneys and livers. And that's not a good idea. And then it came out that, well, if you're gonna do a high protein diet, you probably wanna only do it short term because anything more than two or three months could actually cause heart problems. So what we keep going back. We keep trying to find this magic bullet, but we keep going back to the truth. The truth is that a good diet consists of fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. No one disputes this. We did a show the other day, and they said, what's the best diet in the world? And the best diet in the world was the Mediterranean diet. Now, I don't like to call it a diet. A diet has connotations of being short-term. The best lifestyle in the world, that's how I would put it, is the Mediterranean diet. I would modify it even a little bit more because Mediterranean diet is a lot of fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds with some seafood and a little bit of alcohol. I would take out the seafood and the alcohol and make it even better. But for some people, you can't imagine that, so you think, well, okay, I'm going to go that way. But again, it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. I don't eat bad foods. I went to a dinner the other night. I go out to dinners four or five times a week. I get invited constantly. Orthopedic surgeons, neurosurgeons, hospitals, uh, insurance companies, everybody wants to ha have Dr. Joe in their little group. So I go, and it was a real high-end fancy restaurant, and the cheapest thing on the menu, as I always say, was the healthiest thing on the menu. And it was quinoa with vegetables, and it had some type of sauce on it. And I said, can you leave, put the sauce, don't go bring me the sauce. So I had quinoa and vegetables. Eh, it was okay. But I wasn't there for the food. I was there for the meeting and to you know, meet folks and, and do a little networking. And at the end of the meal, I felt great. And I looked at the other people. One of my friends was there, and he's a good friend of mine. He's a chiropractor. And he's very overweight. And he said, they said, would you like a drink? You know, they, tried, they was pumping booze into everybody. He says, no, I'm not going to have any alcohol. I'm getting over a cold. I don't want to weaken my immune system. I said, yes. He got it. Then he ordered a cola, diet cola. I saw him drink four of them, which is horrible for your immune system. So your thought process is, I'm going to make a little change. <sighs> Sometimes you got to make a lot of change to make the body healthy. And so if you read a study like we're talking about today on, you know, a little bit of meat is okay, uh, no, meat is okay, not even a little bit. Meat is okay and part of your diet. I don't agree with that because every other study that I've ever read that's valid flies in the face of that. So research in, in nutrition, it's an evolving process. So it's critical to look at the totality of the evidence. You can't just take one study and say, yes, that's right, good or bad. Whether it follows your beliefs or not, you got to dig a little deeper. So these studies uh, should not change current recommendations on healthy and balanced eating patterns for the prevention of chronic diseases. Everyone agrees. 
The good researchers, long-term studies show that with chronic diseases, you do better by eating good foods, and you don't do better when you eat bad foods. So existing recommendations are based on solid evidence from randomized control studies with cardiovascular risk factors as the outcomes, and we did it, what's the result, as well as long-term epidemiological studies with cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, uh, and mortality outcomes. How often do people die doing this? So you become a statistic. So to improve both human health and environmental sustainability, it's important to adapt a diet pattern that's high in healthy plant-based foods and relatively low in processed meats. Now, a while, not re recently, there were big fires in Australia. You heard about this, right? And it was horrible because so many animals died. And that's terrible. About a billion animals, they predict, died in these wildfires. And of course, everything was, you know, was, was it environmental? Was it uh, global changes? Was it uh, climate changes? Well, it turns out a bunch of people set fires, and that seems to be what caused the fires. Horrible. Billion animals died. How many animals do you think die every day for people to consume? About a billion every two days, maybe three days. And that's fish and you know, pork and beef and chicken. So we're killing these animals every couple of days anyway. But when a wildfire comes in, it's horrible. So I'm watching the commercials and like, oh, you know, save the koalas and save the kangaroos. And I agree with that. I, I'm, I'm not arguing that point. But what about the pigs and the chickens and the cows and the fish that we're doing this all day every day? Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to teach morals here when it comes to food, but there's so many benefits to going to a plant-based diet. So whatever, you know, pushes your buttons is great. And I've been in practice about 36 years now. And I've, I consult, I've consulted thousands and thousands of people on nutrition. And I know the results. I've seen it in my own practice. I've seen morbidly obese people. I've, I've seen people with heart disease and diabetes and liver failure and kidney failure. And we put them on good diets and they respond. In fact, I've never had a patient not respond to eating a good diet. They may not get 100% better, but they always improve. So there's no downside to getting well and following these guidelines. So the guidelines that we're talking about here, we're talking about a study, by the way, that just came out that said eating red meat is fine. And these guidelines are inconsistent with the principle that we're taught as doctors, and above all, do no harm. And especially in your practice. It would be irresponsible if a patient who reports eating two servings of meats or processed meat a day uh, is told by their doctors not to worry and to continue that habit. It's my opinion because I know that the more toxin you put in your body, the harder it is for the body to function. I had a friend of mine just recently pass away, and he had a genetic kidney condition called polycystic kidney, and he needed a kidney transplant, and an old girlfriend actually donated a kidney to him, and he did real good. And I sat down with him, and I said, Larry, listen, man, you have one kidney. We really gotta look at your diet. And he used to call me Showtime. He goes, Showtime, Showtime, I'm good, I'm good, I, I, I'm okay, don't worry about me. And he kept eating this horrible diet. Now, he worked out, he's in great shape. I mean, this guy was built like a god. And he was in his late 60s, actually. And most charming, wonderful guy in the world. But I said, Larry, you only have one kidney. Stop putting the stress on that one kidney. That isn't even yours. And unfortunately, he passed away. He got sick, he got pneumonia, kidney started failing, fluid built up in the, in the lungs, they pumped the fluid out. When they put the shunt in the lungs to pump the fluid out, he got an infection and he died from that. So you don't want to mess with it. You want to take care of yourself. And I have a lot of patients come to me and say, Dr. Joe, you're my last hope. I've tried everything else. Why don't we try this first? It's the most effective, least expensive treatment for getting well. And that would be a normally functioning nervous system, normally functioning digestive system, and good nutrition. That's it. Let's try this first.
If this doesn't work, we can always go ahead and say, you know what, let's get a little more aggressive. Let's take some medications. Now, if you need medications right away, please take them. If you need surgery right away, please get that. But most cases, start out slow. Let's get the diet straightened out. Let's get chiropractic care. Chiropractic works by taking the bones that are misaligned and putting them back in place. When the bones go back in place, it takes the pressure off the nerves, it reduces inflammation, and it allows the messages from the brain to get to the body and back up to the brain again. It's really not that hard to figure out, folks. And if we can get the bones back in place, and then we give the body the nutrition that it needs, most people are not giving the body nearly enough of the nutrients that it needs to function normally. So if we can get the body functioning normally with the chemistry, and then we, my team of doctors, can fix the physical, now we have a healthcare plan. Most people have health insurance, but they don't have a healthcare plan. This is actually putting together a plan. And so when I see studies like this come out, I have to jump on my soapbox and say, whoa, whoa, stop. Don't listen to these guidelines. These guidelines are inconsistent with the precautionary principle to public health. Again, above all, do no harm. For a public health point of view, it's irresponsible and unethical to issue dietary guidelines that are tantamount to uh, promoting more meat consumption, even if there's still some uncertainty about the strength of the evidence. I always err on the side of caution. I always tell people, listen, let's assume I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, so what? I'm wrong. I lied. But if there's no harm in following this advice, eating a, a plant-based diet, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, there's no harm in that, why wouldn't you do it? And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I, I challenge all of you, and I challenge my patients all the time. Here's what I'd like you to do. 60 days, follow my advice. No alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, artificial sweetener. I want you to eat more fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. Let's see what happens. If you don't know what to eat, go to my website, drjoe.com, drjoe.com. Type in, so what can I eat? And we have a, a lecture that I did there. It's an audio lecture. And it has uh, a whole hour of what to eat. Breakfast, lunches, dinner, snacks. I have a book written called Eating Right for the Health of It. Uh, it tells you what to eat. It has recipes in it. I, I don't know if I can make it any easier for you. And then if you want to know what, what not to eat, we have a, a, a show on there called The Seven Deadly Sins of Nutrition. And you can type that in and you can watch that as well. But I'll teach you what not to eat, what to eat. Take my challenge. Do it for 60 days. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So what? I lied to you. But if I'm right, which I am, then you'll say, why didn't I do this sooner? And there's no harm in doing this. There is harm in listening to studies like this because even if the study says, okay, meat's fine, there's a lot of studies that say meat isn't fine. I don't know of any studies that say you shouldn't eat more fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. I don't know of anyone that disagrees with that. Now, somebody might say, well, I'm on this paleo diet, and I have to laugh at that, eat like a caveman. All right, so caveman ate meat, maybe two million years on. What about before that? What did we actually evolve to get to that point? We ate a plant-based diet, 95% plants. So why don't we, if we're going to eat paleo like cavemen, why don't we go back a little further and eat that type of diet? Because that's how we really evolved. In fact, I just did a, a report recently. Uh, I'm going to cover it later. Let me, let me cover that later. So the panel uh, that, that, that wrote this report uh, declared considerations of environmental impact, and they never even mentioned it in their recommendations. Now, this is a missed opportunity because so much environmental degradation uh, occurs uh, because of animal consumption, and it also has serious uh, side, bad side effects on human health. And this is important to consider when making recommendations in diet. Even if it's addressed separately from the direct effects on an individual health, you have to start considering that. What is the overall impact that it's going to have? Is it going to be good for me? Is it going to be good for the environment? Is it going to be cheaper? Is it going to be good for future uh, generations? That's the whole thing. The lifestyle that we're talking about, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, everybody wins, nobody loses. The only benefit 
that I find to me, and it's been a while since I've had any, to be honest with you. I mean, I am a little biased here, I'll admit that, is that it used to taste good. I remember meatball sandwiches. I remember uh, pr uh, pr pr provolone cheese. I remember brajut, uh, 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 we just call it, gabagol. We call it gabagol, it's gabagol. And I remember these foods, and they were really good, tasting-wise. But here's the thing, too. Years ago, we didn't have the same, I'd say quality, of food that we have today. I don't know if any of you are old enough. Do you remember that milk used to have cream on top of it? It used to have flavor to it? Remember they used to have shake up the milk? We drank the cream, it was really rich. Uh, uh, tomatoes had uh, juiciness to them, and watermelons were sweet. Peaches didn't taste like cardboard. We, that never happened when I was a kid. That is more of a modern thing because we've changed the way we grow things. Soil has been depleted. We're using a lot more pesticides and herbicides. So it's not the same food we ate when we were kids. Well, my grandmother ate meat. Yeah, but the meat she ate when she was growing up is different than the meat we're eating now. And there was even a study out not long ago that showed that this generation is the first generation ever to have a shorter life expectancy than their parents by five years. That's a lot. With all the modern technology we have and all the modern medicine we have, and I'm blown away with MRIs and CAT scans and stem cells. Uh, we're doing stem cells in our offices and doing stem cells and blown away with modern technology and yet we're having shorter life expectancies. That worries me, it really does. So is meat good or bad? Meat's highly controversial. On one hand, it's a staple in a lot of diets. It's a great source of protein. And it is, it's a good source of protein. I'm not gonna take that away from it. And it has other nutrients in it. Now on the other hand, eating it can be unhealthy. Maybe you think of it as unethical, unnecessary. That's how I look at it, as unnecessary. Lean meat is considered an excellent source of protein. It contains about 25 to 30% protein by weight after cooking. Animal protein has all the amino acids in it, or 20, 21 amino acids. So it's called a complete protein, meaning it provides all nine essential amino acids. Now there's essential and there's non-essential amino acids. Nine essential amino acids mean you have to get it from an outside source. Non-essential amino acids means your body can take its nutrients and mix up these uh, other amino acids. But here's the thing. We don't need to eat a complete protein at every meal. There was a woman named Lapp, I can't remember her last name, uh, first name, and she wrote a book called Diet for a Small Planet. And in this book, she said that you need to get all nine of your essential amino acids in, one, in every meal. Years later, she came out and she said, I was wrong. You can get some amino acids in one meal, some amino acids in another meal, and that will build your proteins. So that whole fallacy of having a complete protein is nothing but that, it's a fallacy. You don't have to do that. And so don't worry about getting all your amino acids in one meal, you don't need it. So you can have fruits and vegetables and get different amino acids from different places. I mean, where does a cow get their amino acids? From plants, where does a pig get them? Plants. So you can get everything from a plant-based diet. So let's talk about how you cook your meat. I've talked about this, haven't discovered, discussed it in a while, so I know we always have new listeners and, and viewers, so I want to discuss how you cook the meat can be just as bad as the, with the food itself. So cooking and preparing meat in certain ways may negatively impact your health. When they're grilled, barbecued, smoked at high temperatures, fat is released and it drips down onto the hot cooking surfaces. This produces toxic com compounds called polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. These can uh, uh, rise up and seep into the meat. So the smoke that you're, coming is, is, that you're making from this is rising up and getting into the meat. Polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons are carcinogenic, meaning they cause cancer. However, minimizing the smoke and quickly wiping away drippings can reduce the polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons by about 89%. So that smell of the barbecue cooking, that smells so good, I'm not gonna lie to you, it smells good to me, 
That's called polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. Heterocyclic amines, most of which have been shown to be carcinogenic in long-term animal studies, are formed when the meat is heated to high temperatures, resulting in a dark crust, those grill marks. So uh, th these chemicals have been observed to rise during extended cooking times when meat is uh, then chill-stored or ripened in the refrigerator, they call it, for many days. Therefore, nitrates and additives in processed meats were, were formerly considered carcinogenic, but now they're considered harmless or even beneficial. Wait a minute, that doesn't even make sense to that one study. So nitrates convert, create heterocyclic, am heterocyclic amines, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, uh, nitrosamines. These are all known carcinogens. So the higher you cook the, the at meat at, the higher temperatures, the worse it is. So if you have any questions, go to my website, drjoe.com. Type in what you're looking for in the search bar, hit enter. Chances are we've written articles, we've done shows, audios, videos. Do that first. If you still can't find the answer to what you're looking for, send me a question. I'm more than happy to answer your questions for you. If you want to get the supplements we talk about, in the Atlanta area, you can pick them up in our offices in Marietta, Duluth, Stockbridge, and West Cobb. Save some shipping. If you're not in the Atlanta area, it's not convenient for you, we can mail them to you. That's not a problem. Uh, if, if you want to make an appointment, come see us. Do you have neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, headaches, numbness, tingling? Raise your hands. If you do, stop suffering needlessly. Go to our website, drjoe.com. Make an appointment right now. I hate to see people suffer if they don't have to. We can't help everyone, but we can help almost everyone. And again, if you have any questions, you want to listen to videos or audios, go to the website, drjoe.com. Folks, I'm Dr. Joe Esposito. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on wsbradio.com and on the WSB Radio app.